We've developed more toxic sharks. <laughs> Damn it. Toxic shark too. <laughs> Twice yeah. as toxic. <laughs> toxic boogaloo. <laughs> you just be the most adorable. <laughs> Welcome to Cinema Science, a podcast in which we interview graduate students using pop culture references as a talking point. We'll discuss the science behind your favorite movies, games, and TV shows. Each episode will feature a new topic and guest who will answer questions from you guys, our wonderful listeners. I'm Heidi, and today I'm here with Anne. Hello. Hey, Anne, how's Hubble doing? Um, I haven't asked about Hubble in a while. Gosh, he has a lot of feelings, so I'm glad you asked. Oh, yeah, what's he feeling lately? <laughs> no, he's doing well. He just got a new toy. He's, like, super into it. Oh, my gosh, so. what kind of toy is it? It's, like, another dog that looks just like him. <laughs> and it's, like, nearly as big as him, so he, like, has his own puppy, basically. Oh, my gosh, that's so cute. So he's feeling all right, I guess. <laughs> I get up weekly updates on his. Oh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Today we have a special guest, Peter Huynh. Hello. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing great. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I am doing fantastic. Thank you. Um, Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your research? Yeah, so I'm a graduate student here at the University of Utah um, in the Molecular, Cellular, and Evolutionary Biology program. And we study molecules from venomous snails uh, as a way to kind of discover new uh, molecules for non-opioid pain treatment. Damn. So you said you collect this venom from snails. Uh, Initially, yeah. Initially. So they're initially characterized from the venoms of these snails, which Mm -hmm. usually when I tell people that, they're like, they're venomous snails. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What? I have a new fear to add to (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so these snails are really interesting because uh, there actually have been some reported deaths from people getting stung by these snails. Um, So of course people were really interested in these venoms and uh, we find that their venoms are composed of like hundreds of molecules, like 100 to 200 different molecules um, that have kind of been like naturally selected to be really specific to their target. (laughs) That's really cool. So I I will say I'm a little disappointed because... I thought when we went on this episode that you're going to talk about collecting venom from sharks, especially <laughs> considering the movie we watched. Uh, the secret shark the documentary. Lab we have it. Yeah. <laughs> In Utah, you thought you just did shark research. <laughs> that would be a little more before into the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> so for this episode, we watched Toxic Shark. Well, Peter watched Toxic Shark and is going to explain it to me and Anne. You really, I've seen, I've seen it, but it's a little like hazy in my memory. That's true. But you really missed out because it was, what was the phrase, Peter? I love it so much. (laughs) I I call it a cinematic trashster piece. Yeah. (laughs) That's fantastic. Just, just such a appropriate word for this movie. I did see the trailer and I did watch the YouTube clips on who died. So, spoilers. I know those. <laughs> Spoiler, everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> really just in a theater in general dies. For right. So, yeah. So, could you just take us a little bit through the movie, the plot of it, Toxic Shark? I guess there's a shark involved. <laughs> there's no shark in the movie. That would be so disappointing. That would be such the plot twist. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so this movie, even though I call it a cinematic trash piece, I got to say it was thoroughly entertaining. Nice. Um, it's about this couple, Sam and Eden, that as an attempt to get away from each other, they go on this uh, resort trip to the singles retreat at Culebrita Island, Puerto Rico. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they're at a singles fitness retreat called Bodies by Reese. Oh, I go to that right. every, yeah. every week. Yeah, Heidi's very yeah. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> every weekend, that's where I am. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's like a singles retreat as, uh, one of the characters calls it. She, she says it's basically Tinder Island. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, it's supposed to be a nice relaxing getaway, which turns out to be the exact opposite when the resort is struck by a gigor- gigantic mm-hmm. toxic shark. Yeah. <laughs> How gigantic is gigantic? Um, I think I measured it to be somewhere around 20, 25 feet. Oh my God. <laughs> like, that's pretty gigantic. Right. Sharks get that big? Uh, so I guess um, the largest great whites can get pretty close to about 20 feet. So this oh is a little bit bigger than uh, would be found in nature. And it's just hanging out on the beach like, oh, I bet some teenagers will show up that I can eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's got like this weird like, I don't even know what to call it. It shoots like toxins or like poison like basically. We'll get stuff. into the difference in a second. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, it has this bizarre, like, horn on the top of its head where it, like, shoots some mysterious green fluid out. (laughs) What? It, like, sprays everyone with it, which I feel like is one way they were like, oh, no, sharks, like, aren't supposed to leave the water, but that's not going to be very interesting to watch. So they were like, what if it could shoot poison? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So they got around that problem. (laughs) Wait, so it shoots poison at people on the beach. Then how does it get the people off the beach? Oh, it's it's beautiful because for some reason, most (laughs) of (laughs) not an issue for this shark. This shark fears nothing. Yeah, and for some reason, it loves to just jump onto the beach, and it literally (laughs) bit somebody off the back of a horse. I saw that. That was amazing. (laughs) That horse was just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. So uh, which you know, forget the horse. This, the shark is a picky eater, and it only goes for singles. Which, <laughs> I remember from the trailer, these singles are pretty tiny. I'd probably go for that horse. That's what I was <laughs> thinking. Meteor. <laughs> yeah, it makes up, so, and it like there's so many other things in the ocean it could be eating. Seriously, like, oh, that's the least of the problems of this movie. Though, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so is, is there a plot? Uh, hardly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the plot is a bunch of singles get together and literally just get eaten one by one. As they do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But fortunately, one of our protagonists, Eden, uh, studied environmental science. So she saves the day with her uh, scientific background. Oh, that's (laughs) right. Science is important, kids. That's right. (laughs) Fight off toxic sharks. And I will say, I think this movie is a trash true piece but after i watched it i had nightmares about sharks so <laughs> i mean sharks or, are pretty scary i know but i guess that's points more to how what a wimp i am <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man like toxic sharks are next level so. that's true <laughs> but how does it compare to sharknado mm, asking the real question can't say I've, I've seen, i haven't seen it yet but i oh. really want to <laughs> yeah. Someone on Amazon, I was going through and I was reading the Amazon reviews mm-hmm. of this movie, said that it was similar to Sharknado. It was oh. like in the same category. Okay. So if you like Sharknado, you'll like Toxic Shark, oh. I guess. Perfect. So we had some questions just like 
based off this movie, I guess. Yeah, so earlier I said this shark's like spraying poison around. Heidi wants it to be in a tornado form, I guess. (laughs) But could you tell us just a little bit about, I hear the word like venom and poison kind of using used interchangeably. Could you tell us a little bit more about those two phrases and what they mean? Uh, Yeah, so venoms and poisons are in fact really similar and the biggest difference comes in the route of delivery. So poisons are typically ingested, inhaled, or absorbed, uh, whereas venoms are usually delivered by like a bite or a sting. Mm. Um, Hmm. So they're like injected into you uh, by a predator or something. Oh, okay. Do you have some examples of venomous versus poisonous animals? Uh, yeah, so I, I study venomous cone snails, for instance, oh. um, and they'll hunt uh, either worms, fish, or other snails, mm-hmm. and they do so by stinging them uh, with, like, basically a little harpoon uh, that acts as a hypodermic needle. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> Similar to what the shark has what? in the movie. Not really, actually. It just sprays it. It doesn't inject it. So never mind. <laughs> it's like throwing hypodermic needles on the beach. <laughs> just metal snails. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, like a, a venomous animal would be like this cone snail that will uh, mm-hmm. sting its prey and inject its venom, oh. where one of the most popular or um, well-known forms of poison would probably be like poison ivy, which is oh, absorbed yeah. through your skin. Okay. So is toxic shark venomous or poisonous? Um, Probably both <gasps> in this case. Oh my God. <laughs> Double threat. That's right, because they're not mutually exclusive. But hmm. So in toxic shark, some of these people that get attacked turn into like zombie cannibals or something for like no understandable reason (laughs) right (laughs) so can venom cause zombification what what are these symptoms (laughs) how is this caused Well, I, I would have to say it's probably only the venom of plot development <laughs> that causes zombies. Yeah, I feel like it's a, like we're giving this movie like too much credit by yeah. like saying there's like underlining reasons for these things. <laughs> uh, so as far as traditional venoms, I can't think of any that would turn you into a cannibalistic zombie. Um, darn, I know, darn. <laughs> Uh, but there are some examples of some creepy parasites like uh, the cor- cordyceps fungus, um, which is known to take over the brains of ants and have them like kind of climb up to like a final resting place, basically, where the fungus can burst through its head and, oh and spread its spores uh. everywhere. Totally creepy stuff. Yeah, it's so <laughs> epic. Such an epic ant. Right. Wait, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> In the movie... Do they cause other people, like, does the venom cause the people to also become venomous and poisonous? I wasn't sure if that was true or not in the movie. Kind of, yeah. Okay. So it does. people who are, like, infected, yeah. quote, by the shark, um, happen to turn aggressive and cannibalistic. And okay. They start biting people on the island, and they also oh. get converted, so... You know, again, okay. it's it's the venom of plot development. Right, I see, I see, I see. Okay. Not even the island is safe. Yeah, because if it was just like, oh, there's a shark in the water, they'd be like, just don't go in the water. Yeah. In the water. It's just hanging but on the beach until rescue they, gets here. Yeah, they still go in the water some of the really? time, though. Like, <laughs> or maybe some of it. Like, whatever. Or they're too close to the water. They should have known better. They came too close. So then how does the toxic shark's venom actually compare to real venomous predators? So 
<laughs> not at all. Really. <laughs> Fair enough. You can say <laughs> not at all. Answer. Again, you don't want to give this movie too much scientific yeah. credibility when right. there is really none. <laughs> um, yeah, so as far as like the symptoms that kind of come with the shark bite in this movie, in the movie they attribute it to some sort of arsenic compound, which they never... Uh, really hmm. characterized. Okay. They're just like, this shark is leaking arsenic. It's uh, leaking arsenic, like through its pores or something? Apparently, I think the theory was like, there was maybe some sort of chemical wastes in the oh. water and oh, the shark yeah. might have eaten it. They said it's because we are poisoning the ocean. So there's oh, a good, there's a, lesson. there's a message in this trash piece. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh man. If you don't want toxic sharks, stop polluting the ocean. <laughs> right. Also zombies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> but our horses are safe. Exactly. Yeah, horses don't care. <laughs> but yeah, so I was, I, I did some research mm. um, <laughs> as to what kinds of arsenic compounds could these possibly be. And yeah. a lot of them don't seem very plausible. Oh, really? Um, most of the kind of mechanisms of toxicity from arsenic are just straight up like cytotoxicity it kills your cells kills your tissues and over time uh you start to become sickly and uh you can eventually die from like acute exposure and uh you know exposure over long terms of time can also have adverse effects but you're not going to become a zombie (laughs) damn it it. (laughs) huh so in the end are the like savior again spoilers (laughs) but eden is like this scientist and she knows how to save the day and she starts using magnets i think could you tell us a little bit about that and (laughs) can it actually work (laughs) (laughs) and what (laughs) as a sub question (laughs) freaking magnets magnets man Okay, so the theory of magnets uh, working to repel sharks comes from uh, this anatomical structure in the sharks called the ampullae of Lorenzini, which is like these little spots that they have on their head that can detect Hmm. electromagnetic changes in the water. What? That is cool. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's insane. That's super cool. (laughs) There's like a little bit of electrosensing there that they can use to uh, detect their prey. Mm so there have actually been a lot of products that have been developed to deter sharks using magnets. Really? Um, and of course, like this was uh, a point of contention um, for researchers. And in fact, this made it onto Mythbusters. Really? <laughs> I think back in 2008. Mm, um, a show less popular than ours. Yeah. If you haven't heard of Mythbusters, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> well, we can have them on sometime for the exposure, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the exposure. <laughs> Um, so they did some experiments on, on Mythbusters. They put sharks in a pen uh, and they kind of divided um, the tank using either like, I think, stainless steel uh, blocks or yeah. these these magnets. And it turns out the sharks actually did kind of avoid the magnets for a oh, while. Oh, that's so cool. Hmm. And uh, another group actually did this thing where if you turn sharks upside down, I guess they can kind of get into this state of uh is called tonic immobility where they just kind of uh are chill and hanging out uh-huh. and when chill they brought <laughs> yeah chill sharks. i mean for me that's laying on the couch watching netflix yeah exactly. anyone if you just lay down you become more chill <laughs> it's not a scientific breakthrough <laughs> so i guess when these sharks were in this tonic immobility when they brought these strong magnets close to them it was enough to kind of like jerk them out of it okay hmm. 
I think the Mythbusters group um, put a bunch of like bait fish in a box, just like made out of these magnets, basically. Really? And the shark didn't care. So, oh, <laughs> well, in, in all fairness, when when the sharks uh, are incentivized with food and I guess yeah. singles from this yeah. retreat, um, magnets will not deter it. Ah. <laughs> so I wonder. <laughs> the shark is able to detect those singles using the, the <laughs> that structure you mentioned. <laughs> well, how do so how do they get rid of this? How does it end with this toxic shark in the movie? Mm. <laughs> oh, it's the ending is beautiful. In that <laughs> so uh, a large part of this plot is that since the shark is leaking this huge amount of arsenic compound, mm-hmm. they also talk about this arsenic compound being highly flammable. Yes. <laughs> so in the end the shark tries to attack our main protagonist and they mm-hmm. eventually shoot him in the mouth with a flare gun <gasps> which causes it to jump up in the air for dramatic purposes oh and just God, explode <laughs> that's amazing and then they're all covered in this toxic shark oh yeah and infected with its nastiness <laughs> oh yeah that would be a backfiring <laughs> so um Toxic shark sounds like it's got a really good predation strategy, but how does that compare to the cone snails, the organism that you study? <laughs> so, uh, unlike the sharks, these snails don't try to like beach themselves every time they, <laughs> they <laughs> try sound to get very intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's actually not a huge amount known about the snail's predation strategies. Uh, they've kind of been categorized into a few different approaches. Mm. Um, there's the taser and tether approach, which is used by fish Whoa. hunters, hmm. uh, which the in their harpoons that they use to inject their venom, uh-huh. um, they actually have a, a little barb that looks like a harpoon. Whoa. So they can stick the fish and actually kind of like reel them in. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, cool. <laughs> and then there's the... Uh, the net engulfment strategy, which is used by one of the most famous cone snails, the conus geographus, which can, mm. uh, is, it's one of the few that's characterized to kill people, oh uh, that have killed people in the past, rather, um, where it can open its mouth like a big net and swallow like several fish at once. Oh my gosh, that's selfish. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's shellfish. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're done. And, <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> But yeah, with this net engulfment strategy, they'll yeah. uh, swallow like several fish at once, uh-huh. and they'll sting them once they're in, in its mouth. What? <laughs> that's <insane>. that's tricky. <laughs> and I guess more recently uh, characterized is the strike and stock method, okay. uh, where a snail will strike, like will sting a, a fish, yeah, and it'll just kind of watch it for hours. Um, <laughs> and this, the fish will start to kind of show these weird behaviors like it's clearly oh, being affected by okay. the venom yeah um and then typically it'll go in again for a second sting yeah. uh, which will completely immobilize it and it can swallow the fish hmm. damn <laughs> i'm always like way too hungry like i need to eat right then and there i can't imagine like having to sit and wait for your food that for that long right <laughs> <laughs> It's the slow cooker variant. Right? Oh, there you go. There you go. So you're studying, they have all these cool like predation strategies, but you're studying the cone snail within the context of drug discovery. Is that right? So could you just talk a little bit about, I mean, obviously it's super cool how these snails go hunting, but how that relates to <laughs> drugs that we might purposely use or. Right. Totally. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, so yeah, these, uh, these cone snails in their venoms have somewhere between like a hundred to 200 different compounds. Mm. Um, and you know, there's estimated to be 
conservatively five to 700 species of cone snails. Whoa. <laughs> so if we're talking about, you know, the, like 50,000-ish um, novel compounds that have been naturally selected to hit uh, n- neuronally relevant targets. And it turns out nature does a really good job at developing these molecules. Mm-hmm. So we found that if we kind of if we separate out the venom components and mm-hmm. we use the individual molecules, they can make really effective therapeutics that we Whoa. haven't been able to synthesize um, oh, artificially. Cool. Wow, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, hmm. so my project in particular, we're looking for um, molecules that will block uh, nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. Okay, why are those important? So they've recently been characterized to kind of drive a mechanism of anti-pain um, oh, okay. that shows none of the side effects of opioids. Wow. So, you know, we're in the midst of what we, you know, affectionately call the opioid crisis right now. Right, right. And there's like a really big push to get drugs that don't um, work through the opioid mechanism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So some of these molecules seem promising in that they can uh, alleviate pain long term. Um, They don't get like the mind altering side effects that a lot of opioids will produce. In fact, we're starting to, to call it kind of a um, disease-modifying effect in that even after we stop the treatment of the drug, mm-hmm. um, at least in animal studies, they seem to still do better even weeks after we stop the drug. Oh, that's super interesting. That is really cool. So I guess just going back to the movie really quickly. Right. <laughs> we got to Can we use the venom from Toxic Shark? in any sort of therapeutic way would this be an organism you would look into for these sorts of therapeutic benefits uh probably not (laughs) i'm assuming (laughs) i I was thinking a little bit about this uh, (laughs) because some of the initial symptoms that come from um people getting infected by the shark include like fainting and seizing and um you know those indicate kind of a, a neuronally oriented target mm. in terms of the molecules in this venom. Um, so maybe if we separate out the venom, there might be some relevant molecules in there, but uh, it might be a little difficult to separate from the zombie molecules. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Have we identified the zombie molecule yeah, that's yet? that's true. <laughs> First order of research. Exactly. Also, how would you collect that venom? Would you just stand on the beach with a bucket and hope you catch it? Oh, man. <laughs> Magnets. Magnets. Yeah, magnets. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. I definitely want to be diving for that shark. No. Oh yeah. Do you? Do you? I, this is for my own knowledge. I heard that you, you actually go out and dive for them, right? Um, I haven't like personally. Your lab does. But, yeah. yeah, we have a lot of collaborators oh. that do. Oh, that's so cool. That's interesting. Um, and in fact, we uh, actually contract with a lot of fishermen. Hmm. Um, oh, nice. Like in the Philippines, for instance. Oh, uh, because like they're they're not often not that interested in the snails, but they'll lay their nets and um, along with their fish, they'll get a bunch of these cone snails. Oh, okay. And they'll they'll sell them to us. Oh, hmm. nice! But you don't get a free trip to the Philippines. Uh, not so far, unfortunately. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That would be so good. Go to Tinder Island. <laughs> yeah, Check out what's going go. on there, <laughs> guys? We need to change our model organism <laughs> to sharks. <laughs> to sh- <laughs> No, no, we're perfectly suited for that. <laughs> Have a shark. So has research into the cone snail led to any um, FDA-approved drugs that are used right now? Uh, yeah, so from our lab, um, we've developed this calcium channel blocker that's uh, called Prealt. Okay. And it's currently being used in emergency medicine, um, hmm. treating people 
uh, with intractable cancer pain, for instance, like okay. pain that just like can't be treated with other mm. kinds of medicines and won't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we step back for a second? What is a what's the importance of a calcium channel blocker? So uh, it, it just so happens that the snail developed this blocker um, that in fish and its uh-huh. prey uh, will paralyze the fish. Oh, but the same channel in humans um, uh-huh. kind of. It, it modulates the signaling of pain in, oh, in the spinal cord. Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, as kind of an alternative to opioids, uh, some people in emergency medicine will use this pre-alt drug to uh, oh, treat pain. Very cool. So could you tell us a little bit, how does toxic shark's venom compare to real venomous predators? So in the case of cone snails, uh, they're really clever with how they use their venoms, in my opinion. Um They've been characterized fairly recently to kind of release chemicals into the water to affect their prey's behavior. Wow. Uh, So they're when they're preying on fish, uh, one of the cone snails was recently characterized to release insulin into the water to basically just create like a sugar crash in the fish. (laughs) Um, It makes them all like kind of loopy, kind of tired. And then they have these different groups of compounds that we call cabals. Mm -hmm. So... Part of the, the compounds that they release into the water are called the, we call the Nirvana Cabal. Which, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, really kind of suppresses their fight or flight system and makes mm. them uh, feel a lot more comfortable than they should next to the <laughs> mouth of the predator. Super oh yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so, are they excreting this at all times, or do they have control over when they can excrete this? Uh, I don't think it's known. Oh, okay. As far as oh, I know. Oh, future scientists out there. <laughs> So we love going on to Yahoo questions and just kind of like finding some good ones. So we have a couple of questions for you. Uh, one of them is, if a venomous snake bites another venomous snake, but it's the same type of snake, <laughs> what happens? Yeah, so I, I had to do a little bit of research for this, and I found uh, actually instances of both, and it seems hmm. like it depends on the species. Mm. So uh, in the report that I was reading, it sounds like the the brown tree snake um, is susceptible to its own venom. So, <laughs> oh, no. so it bites itself. Yeah. yeah it bites its tongue or something. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That'd be the worst. <laughs> like, darn it. <laughs> uh, in the report that I was reading, I think it, it was like specifically a case of a brown tree snake biting itself. Oh, my and gosh. It did end up dying, I think, at the end. Oh, no. Bite himself. <laughs> Um, however, on the other end of the spectrum, there's the Egyptian cobra, which mm. I was reading about, um, that seems to be immune to its own venom. What? Um, so more specifically, they have molecules that will block acetylcholine receptors. So yeah. as you can Im- might imagine, it'll paralyze like the transmission to the muscles. Oh, okay. um, this cobra had this genius evolutionary plan to uh, basically tack on these sugar groups onto their uh, receptors and it makes them immune to their own venom. What? Wow. So that's all we have to do to make us immune to them too? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, just just easy. evolve. But. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> just think hard enough and it'll happen. <laughs> all right. So um, we found another question where someone was asking that they saw in a movie that a boy got bit by a snake and a lady put olive oil in her mouth and sucked out the venom. Does that Ooh. work? Or is it a myth and can kill you? They do say though that they're not going to try it. They're just wondering. Well, yeah. <laughs> Safety disclaimer, don't try this at home. Yeah, right? please don't try it at home. <laughs> uh, so the short answer is no, sucking venom out of a wound uh, typically does more harm <laughs> than good. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, Why does it do more harm? A lot of people uh, speculate that like 
you'll just get more like mouth bacteria in and uh, <laughs> just adding more dirt into just it. adding more junk and <laughs> uh, gonna get sepsis instead of poisoning oh, no. <laughs> um however i thought this was fascinating because this study just blew my mind mm-hmm. um it was a group at ucsf that did this study on can you suck out venom from a wound cool and <laughs> how did they study sorry go ahead right sorry. so that that's what makes it so fascinating to me because <laughs> there's this product out there i guess called the sawyer extractor pump it's like a little pump that you can just stick on your uh, on the wound so you don't yeah. have to do it with your mouth and the way they did it is they got eight male volunteers <gasps> no they <laughs> did aged 28 to 51 and what they did is they injected uh, a mock like venom into their leg oh, interesting <laughs> uh so it was just a weird like this radio label compound and yeah. they they stuck them in the leg with it waited a couple minutes to kind of mimic Whoa. the time that it would take to go like find this pump and apply it to yourself <laughs> uh which they estimated would take about three minutes oh my gosh <laughs> really <laughs> so scientific right <laughs> Um, and they applied suction for 15 minutes and they found that they removed basically nothing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, they mm. found it was about 0. 0.04 to 1% of the mock toxin no, that was removed. No, that's nothing. <laughs> oh my god. Hmm. So I, I thought that was a fascinating study. That is. That's good. <laughs> the scientific method at work. Yeah, sure. seriously. That's great. <laughs> Don't have to wonder about it anymore. <laughs> if you do get bit by a snake, you should probably just go to the hospital, right? Right. Yes, as uh, soon as you can. <laughs> so we did receive a couple of questions from Twitter, and specifically from at Varklin, who's always sending us the most amazing questions. Oh, thank you. First, I need to ask, Anne, have you ever played Portal? No, (laughs) I get I see like references online and I vaguely get some of them. (laughs) Yeah. So um, this question is is in relation to Portal, which is a video game um, that has a uh, robot named GLaDOS who's in control of a scientific research facility. Um, So he asks, how realistic is GLaDOS's threat to flood the enrichment center with a deadly neurotoxin? Is it as frightening as she makes it sound? So first of all, I, I love Portal. Yes, so good. so excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, neurotoxins uh, that have been weaponized is a totally real thing, and it's mm. like it was a totally scary thing. Um, you know, to the point where international treaties were made, basically banning them from warfare. Right. Um, you know, our Geneva Conventions and whatnot. Um, but the the scary thing about the neurotoxins to me is that almost all of the time they're these colorless scentless gases mm-hmm. that just like uh will pretty much shut you down um in the game portal uh glados i think likes to get in the player's head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so when they start filling this uh enrichment this uh what was it enrichment center yeah um, enrichment center with the deadly neurotoxin uh they have these dramatic vents that open up and these like green gases that start coming out yeah and Probably the most common uh, toxin or poisonous gas that would be green like that is chlorine gas. Mm. And I would not put it beyond GLaDOS to be <laughs> mixing it in just for dramatic effects. Oh, GLaDOS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it's such a jokester. <laughs> chlorine gas. <laughs> what are some of the most frightening natural occurring neurotoxins? 
All right, so I should I should preface this by saying that I don't know a huge amount about this venom in particular, but I was reading about it and it sounds terrifying to me. Um, and it comes <laughs> fair. <laughs> it comes from a, a jellyfish called the Irukandji jellyfish, and under the list of symptoms, mm-hmm. one of the main symptoms of being uh, envenomated by this jellyfish is described as an impending sense of doom. Oh my, uh, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Which I, I don't entirely know what that means, but I can imagine that would be That's terrifying. so existential. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, why would a jellyfish have evolved? Like, hey, I've already just... been stung by that jellyfish. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that is. And so what what happens? Is it still toxic to, like, besides the impending doom? Uh, so I guess... You know, there's a lot of the other classical uh, kind of symptoms of envenomation, like um, severe pain, um, headaches, nausea, restlessness, huh. vomiting, increase in heart rate and blood pressure, mm. all the good stuff. Um, so the doom but, sense is warranted then. Like it is. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Heidi, and you know what really gets on my nerves? Neurotoxins. Oh my no. God. <laughs> Grown. <laughs> I knew it was coming. (laughs) (laughs) So as our last sort of hypothetical question, I guess there's the like infamous Reddit snail question, which is since you're a snail expert, I'd love to hear your opinions. But basically you are a super intelligent snail. You get one million dollars. I think you both both get one million dollars. Oh shit. You and a super intelligent snail. Let me try that again. So in this scenario, you're not a snail. (laughs) That changes everything. (laughs) So you and a super intelligent snail both get $1 million. You both become immortal, but you die if the snail touches you. So it always knows where you are and it's always slowly crawling towards you. What is your plan to avoid this rich, evil snail? Oh, man. Toxic snail. (laughs) Um, well, I got to say, if, if that immortal evil snail was a cone snail, I would be petrified, probably. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would have a great plan to evade the snail necessarily. So I think I would try to win it over by giving it fish and maybe he'd be my snail bro for eternity. (laughs) Yeah. I'm wondering what. What the snail would use his one hundred million or one million dollars yeah. on, like, and it's a super intelligent. So, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe it would give up its like hunting life and just settle down. Yeah, I start mean, a farm. The like cost of living for a snail, a million dollars goes a long way. Yeah, right. <laughs> just buy an aquarium full of fish, your favorite exotic yeah. fishes you like to eat. Maybe just talk it out of yeah. <laughs> just talk to it out. out. <laughs> like you don't need to do this. You got a million dollars. You yeah. got a happy life for the rest. Yeah, we'll split it. We'd invest together. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> start a small business. Yeah. I like the Why idea of being to- snail. Bros. Start a shell company. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know why? Why would this intelligent snail be your enemy? Maybe yeah. you could work together, be partners. Exactly. I like that. But if the snail is evil, I think I would just hire Toxic Shark and let them battle it out. Uh-huh. Ooh, there you go. Because Toxic Shark. <laughs> I don't know if Toxic, toxic Shark. Snail. Yeah, I don't know if they're. He. It is very intelligent. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, but if it is pursuing you, and what would you do? No, maybe just like 
put it in a box. <laughs> Is that too easy? <laughs> or like get a tracker or something. Um, but also, you're both immortal now. And I'm more worried about being immortal and only having a million dollars because yeah. that doesn't last forever. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So now I have to like get a job forever or oh, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. You can invest that shit like Peter was saying. Maybe. <laughs> if the snail goes in on me, with me, yeah. I'm just investing. Yeah. Which actually, did we let you answer, Peter? Or we Did we answer for you? <laughs> I think I answered. He says snail bros. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah. Snail bros. Okay. All right. <laughs> we did over with fish. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. You did say that. I'm just out of it today. I'm Only sorry. the top grade sashimi for my snail bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good sale because he, there's no way that snail can hunt tuna out in the wild. Those things are big. That's right. So there you go. These <laughs> fish you've never eaten before. God, you guys have good answers. Um, <laughs> oh, my toxic shark. <laughs> <laughs> probably tie in the process you can make i was just saying a million dollars doesn't go that far but if you made another movie about oh. toxic shark versus toxic snail there you go you That'd could be money. a millionaire and <laughs> the snail would be taken care of for you potentially yeah. solves two problems at once yeah i would give that toxic shark the harpoon too oh. to make it more even but not really <laughs> well it said or turn into a tornado oh yeah that's right toxic sharknado <laughs> versus snail, versus one snail. <laughs> <laughs> that would be oh no but what if that the snail's super intelligent it'll know about magnets oh yeah how intelligent is an intelligent snail <laughs> it's a super intelligent snail apparently mm. and a millionaire so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like if the snail is smart, it should see a mutually beneficial thing where we both just live our lives. Yeah. And a million dollars goes a really long way for a snail. Meanwhile, I'm going to be like applying for a job yes. when I'm like 500 years old. <laughs> <laughs> is she even applicable? Does she even know what's going on anymore? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like just snail can live out his life all nice and happy. <laughs> I mean, if it's super intelligence, maybe it'll find meaning greater than vengeance, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe it'll turn the world better yeah. <laughs> with its million dollars. I like the sound of that. Well, on that note, thank you for joining us for today's episode, Peter. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Is there anywhere on social media people can find you? Uh, probably my Twitter, uh, at Peter the Huynh. Ah, funny. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to learn more about our guest's research or the topics that were covered in today's episode, check out our website at cinemasciencepodcast.com. You can find us collectively on Twitter at CinemaSciCast, and you can find Heidi at PandaBumha. Anne doesn't have a Twitter, but her dog Hubble sure does. You can find him at Hubble Gibson. Our intro and outro music was composed by Kagan Breitenbach. You can find more information about him at our website, but also check out his personal website at kaganbreitenbach.com. The first season of Cinema Science was graciously funded by the University of Utah's Neuroscience Initiative. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Bye.